Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Thursday Buckeye Talk. It's Cleveland.com. It's Doug Maurice. It's Stephen Means, and it's recruiting rapid fire. We have almost 20 different questions from our tech subscribers, all about recruiting. Stephen was at recruiting camps on Monday and Tuesday. The Wednesday pod covered the news and the observations of those camps. This is big picture. This is looking at targets. This is looking at the class as a whole. This is looking at areas where they really need to land some guys. And then at the end, we'll try to run through a little bit some guys on the board and, you know, put Steven on the clock and think they're going to get him or not. So this is uh, this is only recruiting. We did a rapid fire last time that was kind of NIL heavy. We'll do another rapid fire in the next week or two that's football heavy, that's on the field. 2022 Buckeyes. We know you guys care about that. So we want to hit that as well. But Stephen, it's time to get down to business on some of this stuff. A bunch of official visits this month. That Mm -hmm. means some decisions probably are going to be made later this month. As we speak here on, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, 10 guys in in the class of 2023. Is that correct? Yes. 10 guys in the fourth best class in the country and the second best in the Penn State and the big 10 behind Penn State. Penn State has how many guys? 12. Okay. And they have their their total points is like one about Ohio State's basically a, a commitment away from you know surpassing Penn State. So But it's yeah. not like they have 19 commitments, and that's why they're right. Penn State's putting a good class together, and we do have a couple mm-hmm. questions, at least one question about that later on. So let's get to the uh, tech subscribers again. If you guys want to be able to do this, ask questions of us that we will answer on the pod and answer sometimes in the text themselves. 614. 614- 3503315. You send a text to that number. You get a link back to sign up and you are in. Starting off with from the 314. How nervous do we need to be that the highest rated commit in Ohio State's class right now is only number 42? And that's Luke Montgomery. And I'm just going to couple these other two questions in here, Stephen, all in the general idea. From the 615, I would like to be reminded of how hopeful I should be that this class will rank in the top five. At this point, I have no hope for a top two or three finish, but even if we get a solid class, how at risk are we of dropping out of the top five? Could we realistically drop out of the top 10 if we don't get a couple top guys? My gut does not feel good about the top half of this class. And then also from the 513, where do you foresee the 23 class finishing in the recruiting rankings? Looking at the 247 list, and it seems like a lot of home run hitter five stars are already gobbled up by other teams or leaning elsewhere? Are we about to have Notre Dame out recruit us? So we'll get to a specific Notre Dame discussion later. Just for context, Stephen, I want to make sure we remind people of this. The 2021 class, so the guys who are going to be 
sophomores this year. Mm-hmm. Luke Montgomery at number 42 is the highest ranked guy right now in this class. In that class, they had seven guys ranked higher than number 42 in the in the country. Quinn Ewers was one. JT Tumaloa was four. Jack Sawyer was five. Emeka Egbuka was 10. Donovan Jackson was 19. Trevion Henderson was 23. And Kyle McCord was 28. That is a high bar, but that's what they did two recruiting classes ago. I wanted to start broad. Luke Montgomery is the highest ranked guy in the class right now. There are four right now, but I do think the, what the textures point out, you kind of look and see, okay, well, who are the big time five stars that are still on the board for them? I don't want to use the word nervous and I don't want to use the word worried. So I'll just use no adjective. What should Ohio State fans be thinking about how the 2023 class is going to look in the end? Oh, uh, I have to use the adjective now. Um, nothing. They shouldn't be thinking anything right now. Um, you shouldn't get worried or excited until after we see what the effect is of the cause, which is these official visits in June. I think it's going to tell a lot. I think uh, I get it. Ohio State's class isn't the shiniest thing in the world. Right now, it probably does look like what a Penn State class would typically look like. But there's 37 five stars in this class. Only eight of them committed are committed, and four of those eight are quarterbacks, which you already know Ohio State's not getting a top-tier quarterback in this class, so it's not even worth discussing. There's 28 top 100 commits who are uh, right now, and five of those guys are quarterbacks. Uh, so it's – Everybody's open right now. Alabama hasn't done anything yet. Clemson hasn't done much yet. USC's class is basically Oklahoma's class transferred to USC's class because Lincoln Riley left. It's the, the the recruiting rankings almost don't matter right now because of who who the guys are in the top five right now. I don't know the name. I don't think they're going to finish with the top class in the country. Like Cincinnati has like the number six class in the country right now. That's not going to hold. And so I'm not worried. I'm not excited. I'm just kind of wait and see what happens after these official visits when a lot of these top-tier talents, whether it's Ohio State or everywhere else around the country, get to go places. And they do have some five stars that they're involved with, and we will yes. get to some specific names later. Maybe, you know, listen, they're not going to have seven guys in the top 30 like they did no. two years ago. That is not what this class is going to look like. And I think people do have to come around on that idea. That class was challenging to be the number one class in the country. So it, this is not that. But and, and and I'll say the other thing here. I do think there is going to be some NIL effect on this Ohio State recruiting class. I yes. think we have to take that into account. We talked about that a little bit on the NIL rapid fire. It's not an excuse. It doesn't mean that you can just say, oh, well, Ohio State's going to have the 15th ranked class. It's all NIL. That's the way it goes. It's not that. But sort of how Ryan Day talked about, like, you can't ignore it. You can't be naive to it. And all along, I said, let NIL gets interesting to me when it affects the product on the field. It feels like this class, a couple guys in this class, they may have NIL decisions where maybe you would have looked two years ago and said, I think Ohio State would have had a pretty good chance with that guy. And a couple guys this year may end up in classes of other schools where you say, wow, that that program hasn't been as successful on the field as Ohio State lately. I wonder why that kid chose that program instead of Ohio State. Ohio State was right in it the whole time. 
And NIL is going to be at least part of the answer to that. So we have to prepare fans for that, right, Stephen? Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not – it doesn't mean Ohio State can go eight and four and shrug its shoulders and say, "Ah, NIL, but it's also why Ryan Day said the things he said a week ago. So we are seeing it this class probably for the first time sort of across the board. It's just a consideration, and it may wind up costing Ohio State a couple guys. Yeah, especially when we're talking about five stars right now, where if I had to put a number on it, I'd say the over-under is three and a half guys where – if NIL didn't exist, would be Buckeyes, but now probably won't be because of NIL stuff. And then there's also the, you know, some kids, they, I mean, they're, they're, this program recruits nationally. And sometimes some kids do who live in the South fall in love with the idea of playing in the SEC. So when you, it's both of those factors that you have to consider here. Yeah. And they just, you know, that it's not like the West Coast is going to shut down. But Lincoln Riley being at USC is a game changer for Pac-12 recruiting. Would they have gotten all the guys out of Arizona and all the guys out of Washington that they got in recent years if Lincoln Riley had been at USC? I don't know. You know, Oregon's pretty good now. So, I mean, there's just some things are changing. Things always change in recruiting. So I do think it's going to be – we're going to have to walk this line, Stephen, of reality, understanding, well – NIL is a thing without just letting it be the ultimate excuse if Ohio State does not meet its own standard. So um, we'll try to we'll try to keep you guys. You know, I don't. Sometimes in this job, Stephen, it's like, well, you want to talk fans off the ledge a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. you want to tell fans, hey, maybe you don't realize this, but this is actually a thing to be worried about, right? Like you should be concerned about this. Maybe it's not on the front of your radar, but it should get there. I, I we're both ways on this. Right. It's Uh like, don't go nuts, but also, hey, make sure you're thinking about it. Will it'll be more of a case by case basis. And again, I you you hear it over the years. Coaches off the record after things happen. It's like, oh, why don't you get that guy? It's like, well, well, yeah, the other school did this or whatever. It's like, okay, but in the end, it is about results. So we're going to mostly judge judge on results while trying to give you the best information we can about like why things are happening. Yep. Let's get to something. Yeah, go ahead. Sometimes it's going to sound like an excuse, and we're going to tell you if it sounds like if it's an excuse too. And it's one of those things. It's like, okay, well, you didn't get that guy, but then what about the next guy? Like, why did you – you didn't get the number 11 player in the country, but then how come you wound up at that position getting the number 516 player? Mm-hmm. Right? There are a lot of guys in between there. So that's, that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. From the 517, let's get a little specific. There are a bunch of reports that say Brandon Innes had a great visit at Alabama Should we be worried? This is one of the top receivers in the class of 2023. He is certainly a guy that Ohio State has been in the mix for. He's the number 18 overall player in the class, according to the 247 Sports Composite. I know, Stephen, when guys were out at the camps this week, you know, Brandon Ennis, his name was coming up. He even retweeted one of the Ohio State players saying like, hey, we need Ennis in this class, and he retweeted yep. it with an emoji. And I didn't know how to interpret that emoji, but I didn't know if it was like, I'm Tied in. in. Yeah. Uh, wh- what, what What did the – can you emoji – read that emoji for me? What does that mean? Yeah, it's like the fingers crossed emo- emoji, and it's just like ties. Okay. Like we're tied in. We're family. 
So does that we'll mean see he's it. coming? Is that a, is that a, I'm coming to Ohio State emoji or not? I mean, he's coming on June 17th for an official okay. visit. I don't know if he's coming long term or not. But to 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 get into this, um, I don't know if you asked a question yet, so I'll let you continue to be no, the gracious just, host you are. The the Bama the Bama visit should that worry Ohio State fans who want Brandon Innes? When you look at his crystal ball on two four seven Sports, it's two thirds USC, one third Ohio State. He's mm-hmm. out of American heritage in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I think that's uh, I think that's Torrance Gibson School, if I remember correctly. But so Ohio State's, I mean, Ohio State's down in the Florida, my Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Um, is Bama on the radar for Ennis? And like, how should Ohio State fans be feeling about him? Um, well, first and foremost, for now until the day Nick Saban decides he doesn't want to coach football anymore. The answer to the question, should Ohio State be worried about Bama if they get in on a five-star? The answer to that question will always be yes. Now, with this specific five-star, one, the USC crystal balls, I think they jumped the gun there. Um, I think it was just the easy thing to do because he was committed to Oklahoma, and then Lincoln Riley went to USC. So it's you saw all these Oklahoma guys jumping on the USC bandwagon. It's like, oh, Brandon and this is going to do the same thing. It's like, no, because Los Angeles is that much further away from Miami, <laughs> where he's from. And Oklahoma was not. I think when Lincoln Riley left for Oklahoma, it reopened the door for Brian Hartline to work his magic. And I think it's working. Um, There are people in this program who are very confident for where they are with Brendan Ennis. I think that official visit might be a chance to put some punctuation on some things. Um, With that being said, uh, Bama is Bama. But at the same time, that's the first time he'd ever been to Alabama. So, of course, there is a bit of the oh, wow, this place is amazing. It's because you've never been here before. And what, what I mean, show me the kid who's going to say he had a terrible visit. You know, when you see, hear that, then yeah, I'll start. Yeah. Then it puts more validation behind when they say they had a great visit. He probably did have a great time in Alabama, but he's got some other, uh, he'll be at Ohio State on June 17th. And I like where Ohio State's positioned to get that kid. Do you think he could be on commitment watch this month? Like once he gets his official visit here, Again, when we when we just sort of did that analytics pod uh, mm-hmm. last week about how you read official visits when they go, you know, there certainly is something the idea of get him on the official. He decides it's the place and get him locked in before he goes anywhere else on an official visit. Do you think they're that confident that that could be the the thing that seals the deal? Yeah, I think July is going to be a big month um, as far as what they like to call booms. I would put him on that watch list. Okay. So when you think about this 2023 receiver recruiting class, they have one guy in so far, it's Bryson Rogers. He's ranked number 307 overall, and they are in on uh, a lot of guys. And Mm -hmm. one of the other, so Brandon Ennis is at the top of that list. And the other guy who's very high, very, very high on that list is Carnell Tate. Carnell Tate is the number 28 overall player. He's the number three receiver. Ennis is the number two receiver. He's an IMG guy. From the 937, Heartline subtweeted Carnell Tate. Is that a sign that Tate is still a possibility or that he's gone? And then from the 330, after Carnell Tate's tweet last night, would you say that he will be at Tennessee? So I am not up on the subtweets. What are the people talking about here? What's happening with Carnell Tate? Yeah, so Carnell Tate. Uh, yesterday came out and said, and the thing is, he's still like retweeting Ohio State stuff. And so he's just, first of all, Carnell Tate is enjoying the recruiting process. Okay. Which Sometimes kids do that. Yeah, yeah, he should. You know, you're good enough to be a, a college football player. You should enjoy it. Yesterday, Carnell Tate tweeted out, you can go to the league and be a first round pick anywhere. 
which isn't completely a lie because we've seen first rounders from all over the place. But we also know that at this point, the fan base has come to Ohio State. Look what they just did with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams. So we know who that's aimed at. Whether it's aimed at Heartline or not, it's clearly aimed at like Ohio State. And so Brian Hartline yesterday, of his own words, uh, maybe it's towards Cardinal Tate. Maybe it's just one of these, you know, motivational things that Brian Hartline loves to do because Brian Hartline does like to tweet and like people's tweets when you put something out that he agrees with and then talk to you about it in real life. Life is a game of making decisions for, in quotations, odds of success. It's an interesting way to put that. You do everything you can to increase your odds of success for your goal not limit them or decrease them, dot, dot, dot. Hashtag keep the main thing the main thing. Oh, yeah, that's about Carnell Tate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, it's a good subtweet. Um, So, Carnell Tate, right? There's a lot of Notre Dame discussion around Carnell Tate. They seem very interested in him, right? Mm -hmm. Tennessee discussion now. You don't know, but maybe, and, and listen, you can say this about any player. Maybe this is a guy where NIL comes into play to some degree. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to watch this play out because I will say both in regards to Ennis and Tate, how many receivers has Brian Hartline wanted since he got this thing rolling and he didn't get? For sure. I mean, we can joke about Denzel Burke and that's because he wanted to play corner for sure so far. One, and it's because USC is good now. And that's Zachariah Branch would probably be at Ohio, who is the number one receiver in this class. Um, him and Brandon Ennis will probably spend the next six months alternating at that spot. Um, and I actually wrote this when Cornell Tate put out his top five back in um, April, I believe it was. Ohio State would be in line to get the top three receivers in 2023 if Lincoln Riley didn't leave Oklahoma for USC. But because USC for the Branch brothers, Zachariah Branch is the younger brother of Zion Branch, who was a safe top 100 safety in the 2022 class. I mean, 2020, um, yeah, 2022 class, excuse me. If USC was their dream school, because they're from Vegas, mm. both of those guys would be Buckeyes if USC still sucked. Okay. Okay. But Ennis was committed to Oklahoma, you said. So right. maybe he would have stayed at Oklahoma if Lincoln Riley yeah. had stayed at Oklahoma. Yep. So, but the other classes, like these other classes that Brian Hartline has put together so far, most of the time it's him picking who he wants. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't get, you know, and again, sometimes it's like, well, I'm not even going to go after that guy because that guy's going to Bama or that guy's going yeah. to Clemson or whatever. So it doesn't mean, you know, in his film evaluation, he got his top four guys. But the guys, for him to go after a guy, clearly want him, clearly spend recruiting time and energy on him and not get him, it's not something that Brian Hartline has a lot of experience with. So it will be interesting if he spent a decent amount of time on Carnell Tate and then Carnell Tate doesn't wind up here. That will be, that will be a new experience, be a new experience. And it's listen, Brian Hartline should think that the best place in the world for a high school receiver to go to college to develop for the NFL is Ohio state. Every coach in every room in the country should think that he also kind of has some proof, right? So of course, Hartline should think that, but also, this is recruiting. So other schools can't point at Chris Olave and Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
So they have to point at other things that are good about their school or good about their situation. And it might not be recent NFL development. It doesn't mean it's invalid, but Heartline is going to be like, well, what's the point? Keep the main thing, the main thing. What's the main thing to make up, to be successful in your chosen endeavor? And your endeavor is being a receiver. So why would you go anywhere else? So it's like Carnell Tate's not doing anything wrong. It's just like Brian Hartline's beating his head against the wall because Brian Hartline cannot fathom in his brain why you would go anywhere other than Ohio State if you wanted to be an NFL receiver. Corey Dennis and Brian Hartline are in these weird situations where they don't necessarily have normal trajectories as assistant coaches in college football. They started at really high-level programs, and so you're right. They've never been in a position where they were at a school where no is heard a lot more often mm. than yes. You know, True. It, Brian Hartline is already at the school where he just gets to pick his guys. Corey Dennis is already at the school where he gets to pick his guys. Like, everybody else here was at a mid-major program or at a second-tier program. So that's part of this is like learning that side of it. Now, the Carnell Tate part of this, there's yes, there's the NIL stuff, um, which – it is what it is. I'm not going to get into figures of what might be out there and what might not be out there because none of that's actually proven. It's all just, you know, talk around the water cooler. But yes, there is an IL, NIL stuff with him. The more important recruiting part of this is what does Carnell Tate want? He's not taking an official visit to Ohio State. And part of the reason why is he's been here 30 million times. There's nothing new they can show him. He's worked with Ryan, uh, Ryan Day. He's worked with Brian Hartline. Um, the only school that's gotten more visits from Carnell Tate than Ohio State is Notre Dame. And from what I've been hearing from people who cover that place, one of them being Kyle Kelly, who used to work for us, Notre Dame just doesn't feel like they're in that race at all right now. And so some of this is Carnell Tate seeing new places like Tennessee and LSU. They both got official visits in the spring. But what this comes down to is, does he does he want development or does he want instant gratification? And neither one of those things are wrong when you're a five-star recruit. If he goes to Tennessee or LSU or Notre Dame, he's probably a starting wide receiver next fall. If he comes to Ohio State, as we just saw with Emeka Buka, as we saw with Marvin Harrison, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Julian Fleming, where all those guys are five-star top 100 recruits, as a freshman, you probably don't play that much. You have to wait your turn a little bit. And so which one does he if if he feels like in his words, you can be a first round receiver no matter where you go. Do you want your route to be? I had to wait till my sophomore year to have a role or do I just want to have three years where I'm the dude? And some that's going to happen with somebody at yeah. some point. The Ohio, the, the, how crowded the Ohio State receiver room is, is going to have a negative effect on their ability to recruit a great player somewhere along the line. They've sold it. They've made the case. And Emeka Egbuka was like, yes, I understand this case. Jackson Smith, the Jigma bought, you know, so um, Kayla Burton was okay. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. But at some point they're going to make that case. And the guys could be like, I, I just really, I think I'm ready to play. So he's made officials, as you said, to Tennessee and LSU. That means he has three left. So, um, you know, it, it might be one of those two. And I'll be curious. Maybe, it, maybe it was the point Brian Hartley's like, what? I'm, I'm out. Right. Because, again, he doesn't I, I, I don't know that. I could see Brian Hartline being at some point like I'm not begging you to come here. <laughs> right. Like, um, that's not how I do this. Yeah. I'm not going to say we're there yet, but we're subtweeting kids. No. And it's because it so, is what it is. Because <laughs> yeah, Brian Hartline's like I've presented the information. Yes. It's the best information. 
What else do you want? And and again, yes. we're making it sound we have a little edge in our voice about it because it's exciting. It's recruiting. It's fine. The young man, it, it's his decision. It's his life to lead. There are many great options. Brian Hartline has belief in himself and belief in his program. Mm-hmm. He has many great options for receivers to recruit. So we don't. It's not. It's not antagonistic, but it's just. It's interesting to watch it unfold because most of the time when Brian Hartline makes his case to a top shelf receiver, they're like, "Yep, I'm in." So we'll have to see with Cornell Tate. At this point, right, for Ohio State fans, like, all right, that was a lot of discussion about that, guys. What's the deal? He still could be here, right? Yeah. Like, maybe a Buckeye. Is that just, that's the best label to put on him right now for Cornell Tate? Yes. Okay. Let's do another specific name before we get into a little more big picture stuff. Another skill guy. From the 216, who is the running back prospect after we're almost for certain not getting Richard Young. Richard <laughs> Young, the five-star in this class that Ohio State certainly spent a lot of time on. He is has announced several weeks ago that he is not taking an official visit to Ohio State as one of his five schools. I would be curious to find the history of guys who made five official visits and then picked a school that wasn't one of their five official visits. Where they yeah. made the, you know, because sometimes it's like, oh, I pick a school and then I want to go on official visits because I like to go on trips. But like, I haven't yet made a decision. I'm going on five official visits. I'm done with those visits and I pick school six. I, I'm not saying that's never happened. That doesn't sound like a thing that makes much sense. So are we removing Richard Young officially from the possibility of being an Ohio State Buckeye? Yeah, my favorite thing about that tweet is he followed it up with, Ohio State's still one of my top options. It's like, no, they're not. And it's okay. No, yeah. I, I, they're not getting Richard Jug at this point. I think um, I think Tuscaloosa is uh, running away with that one a little bit here. And those other four visits are just for – you get four – You get listen, you get five free trips. Yeah. Might as well take them. Okay. So Richard Young, number 24 overall player, number two running back in this class. If he's not going to be Ohio State's guy in the class of 2023 – they already have Mark Fletcher, who's in the house, number 216 overall player, number nine running back. They do want a second back. Who's they the do. most likely candidate is what the texter's asking here, Stephen. Right now, it's probably Justice Haynes, um, who is now at Buford High School in Georgia. It's the same high school as Harry Miller. Um, and Ohio State's recruited some other guys, whether they want or not. Um, the number 53 player, the number four running back, he is a Georgia legacy. Um, his dad played at Georgia, so that's always interesting, and that's why a bunch of people who cover Georgia recruiting put up crystal balls the moment he got that that offer. Um, there is the element that he wants to play baseball, but unlike with the quarterback, which we've talked about here, Dylan Loner again, where it's like, I have to play football baseball because I want to be a baseball player. And they've had, they had a defensive tackle recruit in the past who wanted that same thing. I can't remember his name right now. And he ended up in the SEC as well. Justice Haynes likes baseball the way Justin Fields likes baseball, Mm. where it's like, he's really good at it, but like, that's not his future. (laughs) You know, it's just something he's really good at. He'd love to do it if he gets the opportunity, but he's not going to, it's not a deal breaker for him. Um, I think he's got a great relationship with Tony Alford. There's a reason why, originally he and Richard Jung were going to be here at the same time. You'd rather not do that with top recruits. You'd rather split that up. But the message to both of those guys was clear as we love both of you guys, whichever one of you wants to grab the offer first is going to get it because we'll take either one of you. Plus they really like Mark Fletcher, regardless of what his ranking is They They really like him or they wouldn't have take, taken him that early. And I, I believe that because that's not a, we missed on our options and now it's November. Mm. We need a running back. This is right. a, 
kid from Miami who Miami is still recruiting hard to try to flip who that Ohio state brought in before Richard Younger, justice Haynes even got back on this campus. So I'll believe um, what I hear when they say that they really like Mark Fletcher, but justice Haynes is probably the best option right now. If Ohio State's going to add a second running back, but I think they also believe in Mark Fletcher enough that if they don't get that second running back, they're not as panicky. And, Justice Haynes had an official scheduled to USC that he canceled and flipped into an official to Florida. I yep. just think it's one of those things like there's you, you read stuff. It's like, oh, he really liked Florida. He went unofficially to Florida and really liked it. You just have to crack the nut on just not taking the legacy thing. Like if it if it's my dad played at Georgia, I live in Georgia, I'm going to Georgia, then there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. But if if Flo- like Florida might help open the door and then Ohio State can run through it, right? Yep. Like, hey, you know, you don't have to go to your dad's school. It's a tremendous option. They're the national champs. But if you if he's opening his mind past that, then Ohio State at least has a chance. So that's one of those things you can't. You're you can't home state national champ legacy. My God, like if that <laughs> that's it, that's it. The national but, championship part of this definitely threw, throws an extra wrench in it that they're coming off of that. Because, right, Georgia's definitely got the championship high. Yeah, I mean, it's like every – this is the best time. You, he's like the Georgia-iest recruit Georgia could ever have. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah, and Georgia produces good running backs. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you mean Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, uh, Todd Gurley, James Cook? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like, run – you know, there's dudes there. So – if he just winds up at Georgia, then there was never anything Ohio State could do. But for the moment, it does feel like, Stephen, that it's not its not just that, right? That The, the way he's yeah. talking, it's not just that. So we'll see how that unfolds. And then, so say that they don't get Justice Haynes. Is it possible they wind up just with one running back in this class? Yes, and that would just push the need for two to 2024. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. And then you're, you know, your ears are always open for the portal or anything but, else. And also, I think running back isn't a bad position to portal it for a year. Every, I don't think you should rely on it, but I do think there's outside of quarterback, there's going to be an abundance of running backs just because, like, guy, there's going to be a Kenneth Walker every year. I, like I said, I don't think Ohio State should be relying on going to find Trey Sermon because their running back stinks. But I do think it can be a one-year fix once every four or five years. And if they don't get a big-time guy – and Fletcher, as you said, they like Fletcher, Dallin Hayden's in this class in 2022. If they don't, just like happened with Trevion Henderson, then you have a great pitch in 24. Because the pitch for the guys in 24 is Trevion Henderson probably going to the NFL. You have a chance to start as a freshman. Because there's not a five-star in front of you. Mark Fletcher's good. Dallin Hayden's good. But there's not a five-star in mm-hmm. front of you. So, you know, that pitch, we saw it work. They didn't get B. John Robinson. They did get Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor. So, it's not – I don't think uh, – this Richard Young situation where it felt like for a while they had a shot at him and now it feels like they don't, that's not like an alarm that's going off anywhere. No. That's just like it's, – it's not desperation. It's not, oh, my goodness, what are you going to do? You have a guy who just ran for 1,200 yards as a true freshman for two more years. Plus, Evan mm-hmm. Pryor looks like he might be pretty good. Plus, you got some other guys you like. So, it's I, I, we just don't want anyone to come away from a running back discussion. It's like, okay, they're not getting Richard Young and they might not get Justice Haynes. Mm-hmm. It's not desperate. So, they'll, they'll, 
they still have plenty of time to do what they need to do at running back. All right, we're going to go a little more big picture, a little less specific on some names, dive into the offensive line a little bit, some other things next on Buckeye Talk. Doug and Steven, back, we sort of dabbled on this a little bit before with the Notre Dame question. And I know, Steven, you and Kyle did that specific Ohio State Notre Dame question, uh, Notre Dame podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We've sort of, you, you know, you've sort of written a, about that. We've been very, uh, who's the kid, the offensive lineman from Cleveland that picked Notre Dame instead of Ohio State? Vernon? Is that the guy? Uh, the defensive lineman, uh, Brennan okay. Vernon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Brennan Vernon. Yeah, defensive lineman. So that was like a head-to-head thing that like got everyone's yeah. attention. So this is from uh, Scarlett Dan Gray in the 937. Notre Dame and Ohio State are going head-to-head a lot more in recruiting recently. What impact could an Ohio State blowout win this fall have in recruiting the 2023 class? And could it be a statement win to show the world that Ohio State is still way ahead of Notre Dame and on another level than the Irish? Love the texting updates and love Buckeye Talk. Thanks, Dan. I'm always intrigued by this discussion, how much on the field wins and losses affects recruiting. Um, I don't have a sense of this necessarily. I have no sense of this. Do you think there will be a bunch of guys that Ohio State will bring in for that Ohio State Notre Dame game? And for instance, will there be some guys, some recruits at that game who are considering both teams? And then you say, oh, you're consider- like you bank on the win and like, oh, yeah. you're uh Notre Dame and Ohio State are both in your top three. Here, come hang out with us and watch this. Right? I, I don't know. Yeah. How, much do you think, how much does that game matter for this, you know, building recruiting battle? I think it matters more for Marcus Freeman than it does for Ryan Day because Day's established and that's Marcus Freeman's first game. And if he goes out there and gets beat 45 to 10, that's just not a great first impression, even if you know Ohio State's better than you. But Notre Dame's going to be a top 10 team. So it's not like, you know, Notre Dame's – he's not building Notre Dame from the ground up. Like, you kind of – you're taking what Brian Kelly did for almost a decade and trying to build on it. Um, I am wondering – because Ohio State is still very um, hardly recruiting uh, Keon Keeley, who's the best player in Notre Dame's class, number eight player, the top edge rusher, who committed to Notre Dame at a time when he wasn't even a top 150 recruit. And before all the big players got involved over the past six months here. So they're still going hard for him. Um, he took an unofficial in April. He was walking around at a spring practice one day. I am wondering if there is a conversation that goes like this. Hey, Keon, you should come to the Notre Dame game on September 3rd. And then Marcus Freeman gets on the phone and says, you are not allowed to go to the Notre Dame game on September 3rd. <laughs> you, can, you are not allowed to watch your future team. Yes. Yeah. Do, do not go to Columbus that weekend. That's going to be interesting because if he shows I, – I, I'm not convinced that Keon Keeley is going to sign with the Irish. Um, it's fine that he's there right now, but I don't think – I think that's far from over because um, that's a kid from Florida, and that would be a pretty impressive um, haul, especially for Al Washington given that he just got there. But – um. If it's Al Washington versus Larry Johnson, I'll take my chances with Larry Johnson mm, just because it's, you'll write about it's Larry that. Johnson. Oh, you'll yeah. be writing oh, about that. What? When yes, Larry I Johnson's will be trying to close the deal in December. Oh, um, oh, yes. I will say it's interesting to think about Notre Dame on the uh, College Football Survivor Show next week. That's College Football Survivor Show. That's the national pod I do with Shahan J. Haraja. We have a free show every week, and we have a show for Apple Podcast subscribers. You can subscribe for two ninety nine a month to get those four episodes a month. We did for next week, 
the 10 most important games for the playoff race. Mm. And it was a reminder of how many big games Notre Dame has this year. Notre Dame plays Ohio State, Clemson, USC, and BYU. So Notre Dame is arguably playing, arguably playing the best team in the Big Ten, the best team in the ACC, the best team in the Pac-12, and like the best group of five, like group of five team, right? The best non-power five team in BYU, which I do think has a chance to make a little Cincinnati run because BYU has a couple interesting games also. I don't think Notre Dame can go like eight and four and lose all four of those games, right? They've got mm-hmm. a lot of momentum right now, but they need mm-hmm. to do something on the field this year to back up the momentum. They play North Carolina, they play Cal, they play Boston College, but you can't only win those games. You've got, they're going to be playing some games that get a lot of attention. And if they don't hang with Clemson, Ohio State, USC, and BYU, it's not going to let the air out of balloon because Notre Dame is a great place to go right now. Marcus Freeman is a is a coach that a lot of people are fired up about for good reason, but they have to show it. So I, you know, I do think the blowout that Dan talks about a blowout could could be quite advantageous for Ohio State because this again this King of the North idea that we've been mucking around with for more than a year. That's what Notre Dame's trying to infringe on with Ohio State. That it's like, if you're in this part of the country, if you're interested, like, just in this style of football, like, you know, you're, you're not going to an SEC school, or you're, at least you're looking at non-SEC schools, where are you looking? Well, you're looking at Ohio State. And Notre Dame wants mm-hmm. you, wants all those guys to also be looking at Notre Dame. So the idea that Ohio State could emphasize, yes, Notre Dame is good, but there is a gap here. They are, we are not the same. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is not on Ohio State's level. Notre Dame's made two playoff appearances. Ohio State's made four. Notre Dame both times lost to the semifinals and didn't really compete, right? Ohio State won a national championship in the playoff era and reached another national championship game. Ohio State's the best Northern team. Not a bad message to send on September 3rd, if they can send it. And I do think, not that any, not that any recruits don't know that, Stephen, but, Ohio, but Notre Dame clearly in recruiting is pushing like a future, pushing a brighter future. And if Ohio State can tamp that down by reminding them what the present and the past is, it could swing a battle. It really could. I, th- I think Marcus Freeman is he's, – he's walking a fine line here with how they're starting this off, where it's you're recruiting and you want to hype up your program, but you never want to do that by knocking another program especially one where it feels like right now they're still big brother and you have to go play big brother to start this off here and make sure you can cash these checks that you're writing Mm. on September 3rd, even if you don't necessarily win the game. Yeah. You got to compete. I think it's important for Notre Dame to compete. Now get back to us in 2023. Maybe Notre Dame does go eight and four. Doesn't win any Mm -hmm. of those games. Can't compete right now with Clemson, USC, Ohio state and BYU. Get back to us in 2023 when Tyler Buckner's back as a starting quarterback in year two and Ohio State's breaking in a new starting quarterback and it's in South Bend. Yep. And maybe Marcus Freeman will be like, yeah, I want every recruit <laughs> in the Midwest in Notre Dame Stadium that day because I want them to see what we're going to do to Ohio State. So, it, you know, they might, they might return that favor. But uh, I do think... It's not the deciding factor for anybody because that's not how it works, but it can it can affect some perception and affect mm-hmm. some young minds 
how that game unfolds on September 3rd. All right, these are a couple Midwest Big Ten questions here from the 216. With Carr, Rayola, and Davis supposedly coming to the Midwest, is this area becoming the hotbed for quarterback recruiting? So Dylan Rayola, five-star quarterback in 2024, committed to Ohio State. At, by the time you listen to this, when is C.J. Carr announcing? Is he announcing Friday? On one? Oh, okay, so C.J. Carr, he's the grandson of Lloyd Carr. He lives in a basically an Ann Arbor suburb, and he's announcing his commitment. Third, lo- yeah, it'll be Thursday. Sorry, it's on so Thursday. People okay. are listening to this. Yeah, he. A lot of people think he's going to pick Notre Dame. That's what a lot of the crystal balls are for C.J. Carr to Notre Dame. And then there are now reports that Jaden Davis, who was kind of like the other guy in 2024, that Ohio State like seemed to be the guy they liked the most, and then they sort of all of a sudden it was Dylan Rayola. Jaden Davis might be interested in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So for the Big Ten, what does this mean? Is the Midwest becoming a hotbed? A couple things on this. One is... The Big 12 is not – now that Lincoln Riley left the Big 12, and it kind of had been moving away from that anyway, it's not quite – it's not the quarterback haven. Listen, you know, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. Texas Tech, right? It's not a chuck it around 450-yard passing games all the time that it was there for like a decade. So that's not as much of a draw, I think, like for every quarterback in the country. Um Clearly, Alabama has become a place the quarterbacks want to go, and Clemson got Keg Klubnik, and he's a really big dude, and that followed up DJ Uyunglele, who is a really big guy, and USC is going to get great quarterbacks. I think this should be a quarterback league and a quarterback area, and it hasn't been. And when Jim Harbaugh got here, Stephen, I thought that was going to change, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Now, J.J. McCarthy might be changing that, but we all make a big deal about J.J. McCarthy because he had never recruited a five-star like J.J. McCarthy at Michigan before. If he can follow that up with like another big-time five-star, if Marcus Freeman's recruiting is, yo, we're going after five-star quarterbacks as well, and Ohio State keeps doing this, why shouldn't the Midwest and the Big Ten be a hotbed for quarterbacks? I I don't... I don't understand, like like Drew Aller. All right, go to Drew Aller's going to go to Penn State as an Ohio guy. I understand maybe that maybe they're not all produced in the Midwest, but but why shouldn't good programs here be able to recruit national quarterbacks? It's been a failure of Big Ten football for thirty years that it hasn't been a quarterback league. I don't know. I don't want to put too much on like you know Jim Harbaugh might get Jaden Davis, but. I don't know. Maybe we will see a little bit of a quarterback renaissance in this part of the country. What do you think? Yeah, Ryan Day showed up. Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdowns, and then the rest of the league figured out that, oh, no, Ohio State's going to turn this league into the ACC, and it's Clemson if we don't start recruiting better quarterbacks. And that's what we're – because Ohio State's going to keep doing this. We're, I know we're into the, the what they're going to find their Mac Jones in 2023, but outside of every four classes – they're going to go get the C.J. Strauss, Kyle McCord, Dylan Raiola's, Devin Browns, and that's not going to stop. Um, and so Michigan, Penn State, uh, we'll see if Mel Tucker can get it going at Michigan State here and even Notre Dame, even, in the, if, even if they're not in the Big Ten, they've got to keep up with that. And that's what we're seeing is, once again, Ohio State has done something that has pushed itself so far out there in terms of where the gap is between it and the rest of the league, and the league is trying to play catch up. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to say it. That this is this probably doesn't happen without Ryan Day, but 
when you see how scary that passing offense is, listen, it's it. the Big Ten has not been three yards in a cloud of dust for a long, long time, but mm-hmm. they also have not been keeping like, the league of Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Russell, Russell Wilson for a year. But I mean, like, listen, it, sh- it should be. Yeah. It should be. So if if some uh, some programs and some coaches have been asleep at the wheel when it comes to creating situations that big time quarterbacks will want to come to, maybe Ryan Day shook him out of that. I think you're right. I don't think there is a maybe. I think you're right. He did. So let's hope. Let's hope. I'll what you telling me we're gonna have a league in a couple years with Dylan Rayola and maybe Drew Aller still around and Jaden Davis and like good. Let's do it. Let's go. You know, it's going to be really fun because we're already going to do it. If Kyle McCourt wins the job in 2023 and J.J. McCarthy's a starter, it's going to be the game of the guy Ohio State took versus the guy Ohio State spurned. And J.J. Oh, yeah. McCarthy's going to answer a million questions. If we get that again with Dylan Raiola and Jaden Davis, Here. we're all going to go, yeah, oh, it's going to be amazing. But that's the thing. That's great. That great should be game. Michigan's strategy. Yeah. Michigan's, it's like, oh. Michigan's quarterback is the five-star that Ohio State didn't take. Good. That guy shouldn't go to Clemson or USC or Miami or like go to Michigan, go to the big 10. Like if Mm -hmm. he was, if he was interested in Ohio State, then be interested in another big 10 team. That that's Mm -hmm. good for the league. If that kind of things happens, right? That's okay. Penn Mm -hmm. State and Michigan. Look at who, look at Ohio State. Look at who they're recruiting. And then line up to say, if Ohio State in the end chooses not you, come here next. That absolutely should be what is happening in the Big Ten. Let's talk a little more Big Ten. From the 304, how concerned slash worried should Buckeye fans be at Penn State and Michigan closing the gap in recruiting, maybe even doing a better job of it? Obviously, Ohio State is well ahead on quarterback and receiver than the other two schools, but the lack of depth everywhere else could be a sign the other schools are getting closer in talent. Am I overacting or is this a real possibility? So, my initial instinct, Stephen, is that texture is overreacting. I think the thing that Ohio State fans can legitimately react to right now is, is it going to be more difficult for Ohio State to recruit great national talent against the national powers in the NIL mm-hmm. world? If you want to say, I'm worried that Ohio State is going to fall behind Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, I'll hear that. Michigan and Penn State aren't doing anything different than Ohio State is doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it would be that would have Ohio State and Michigan like pass Ohio State. Now, if Ohio State comes down a little bit, so instead of Ohio State finishing second in the country and recruiting behind Alabama, now they finish sixth and Penn State's ninth and Michigan's tenth. That gap has closed, but I don't know that it's Penn State and Michigan closing the gap as much as Ohio State closing the gap by maybe coming down a little bit. I'll get to the numbers in a second, but like, what what's your general vibe on what this texter is asking about Penn State and Michigan? Um, Michigan's recruiting is not doing that great right now outside of the buzz with Jaden Davis, and that's 2024, so that's not even immediate. they got to wait two years to get that kid here. Uh, Penn State's building a normal Penn State class. Right now, it's just being propped up by the fact that they've got one five star in it. You know, outside of that, they got one other top 100 recruit and then nobody inside the 200s. And I know we're going to wait on the actual numbers, but it's like, and the Michigan's not doing anything. I am not concerned at all that Ohio State's going to have blowing away the best class in the Big Ten. It's more about, as you just pointed out, is Texas AM, 
Alabama, Georgia, or these SEC schools plus USC now with Lincoln Riley there going to start, you know, pushing Ohio State down in the rankings to where instead of consistently having a top five class where they're four or five and every so often they're number two, now they're constantly number six or seven and sometimes they're number four. And listen, like Drew Aller in the last class is a big deal for Penn State. So that that's a big deal. Positionally, it's a big deal. But again, when you look at the numbers, Penn State at the moment has the highest ranked class um, in the Big Ten in 2023. They have 12 commits. Ohio State is number two in overall class number. They have 10 commits. And Michigan, as you said, is eighth. They only have mm-hmm. six commits so far. They did not build immediate instantaneous momentum off making the playoff in part Mm -hmm. because Jim Harbaugh donked around with the NFL and it might've cost him a little bit of that momentum. When you look at Ohio state's class, Ohio state 10 commits according and by two, four, seven rankings, nine, four stars, nine of the 10 are four stars, Penn state one, five star four, four stars. So four star higher, right? Penn state is five of 12 Mm -hmm. Ohio state. It's nine of 10. And mm-hmm. Michigan, it's two of six. So I just that's that's not where my head would be as an Ohio State fan. I, it's not it's not that you're concerned about Penn State and Michigan. It's that you're concerned about can Ohio State retain the national profile that it has established over the Urban Meyer era and then has retained and built upon in the Ryan Day era. Well, that takes some kind of hit in the NIL world. That's where you need to be. Let's get to offensive line. I have three lined up in a row. From the 3-3-0, how can they keep missing out on five-star offensive linemen? This is such a mess. Is Justin Fry uh, going to have more cachet in year two? Similar question from the 3-3-0. How desperate will we be to get a top tackle recruit? We need to use NIL like how Tennessee is trying with their recruits. And one more bigger picture from the 609 how much longer before our offensive line recruiting really starts holding this program back we struggled with really good edge defenders against michigan and that was with the five-star at tackle nicholas petit fair why is our offensive line recruiting seemingly so far behind the rest of the offense is it coaching is it too much passing what is it all right this is just general um angst about yeah, offensive line recruiting I think those three textures speak for a lot of textures and a lot of listeners. Should there be angst about the offensive line recruiting right now? So I'm going to attack each little bullet point one at a time. One, Ohio State does not need to do what Tennessee is doing because they're not Tennessee, and that's the only way Tennessee is going to get these guys. Ohio State's still Ohio State. This is Greg Shajawa's last gift to Ohio State because Caden Proctor should be coming to Ohio State. He is the number 10 player in the country. He is the second best offensive tackle, and he is from Iowa. That kid should be a Buckeye if he's not going to stay home and play for the Hawkeyes, as we saw with Xavier Wampa. They're from the same high school. Instead, there is no relationship whatsoever. And Justin Fry tried when he first got the job to try to establish something, but it's too late at that point. Caden Proctor had moved on with his life and started considering other schools. So it starts there. That's on stud to not build a relationship with a five-star recruit who's in the Big Ten footprint. That should never happen. Um, Justin Fry tried to do the to do the same thing with Francis. I'm not going to try, try to say his last name, but he's the number nine player, the number one tackle in the country out of um, IMG Academy. He offered him. He tried to test the waters there. Nothing. 
That's not really on Justin Fry. He got the job in January. He did exactly what he needed to do. He tried to go build relationships with the best two players in the country at that position. And because of what the previous regime had done, it was too late for Justin Fry to try to do anything there. So that leaves us with Samson Okunlola. I think they've done a decent job of starting to build the relationships. They're still in the running for him. Um, There is a fight to try to get him here for an official visit this month. It's a fight that's still being had, but I think that would be a very impressive get for Justin Fry. And then the last one outside of Luke Montgomery, who of course is a Buckeye and might end up being a guard as far as the top 60 guys is Chase Basantis where NIL, if you even look at what his top six, top seven schools are, NIL is becoming a factor in recruiting at this point. I think best case scenario for Justin Fry is Samson Okunlola and Olasa Lennon out of Connecticut, who is from Europe, the number 122 player, the number 15 tackle. I think that would be a home run for Justin Fry, given the situation he was put into. Um, I hope that answers the question because there were like 30 of them. So, so the bottom line is there has been an issue with offensive line recruiting, but that's why they changed offensive line coaches, which is what yes. we've talked about multiple times. And Justin Fry, when you come into a class, as you're explaining here, a lot of the work has already been done. And mm-hmm. so what Justin Fry does or doesn't do with the 2023 recruiting class is not a full accurate reflection of his recruiting capabilities because there are some guys that are already already behind on. And you looked at Kate, you look at Caden Proctor. I think there are crystal balls to Iowa for him. He's officially visiting Michigan. He's officially visiting Penn State. Like mm-hmm. there's no, as you said, he's he's going over Columbus to get to yeah. State College. He's going up to Michigan, but he's not coming here. That is a miss by them. So, as we've said, like 2024 is going to be Justin Fry is going to have to get a lot of work done in 2024 if he's still here and not the well, head coach of Indiana. That's true. <laughs> um, so that that's going to be really important and it's one of the things you can't always keep pushing 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 off and saying well if you don't get this class you'll get this class if you don't get this class you'll get this class they might need to go in the portal for a tackle Mm -hmm. for 2023 depending what happens uh but there is this is the sort of companion question to that this is from our guy kenny stabler in the 614 is paris johnson having an all-american year and being a top 10 pick the key to opening the door of having a national five-star tackle want to come to ohio state or does new coach Justin Fry just need time to recruit? So Justin Fry does need some time. As we sort of, and we did this on the last chapter of Fire Pod, it's like, what would you rather have? Good Paris for two years or great Paris for one year? That's how the great Paris for one year pays off for you is like, mm-hmm. Justin Fry now is going around and saying like, look, 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 look. Taylor Decker was that, right? Nicholas Petit Frere was a very productive player Mm -hmm. and got drafted. Thayer Munford was a very productive player and got drafted. But if you're dropping like a lottery pick in recruiting, I mean, they will, they'll have a hologram of Paris Johnson that accompanies Justin Fry into every living room that he goes into in the class of 2024. And it'll be Paris Johnson walking across the stage and picking up Roger Goodell as the 12th pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Like that, I do think would be real. They need that. Just like the recruiting graphics, all the stuff they put out about Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Garrett Wilson, yeah. they haven't been able to do that at the on offensive line in the same way in a while. They've had good, solid guys. Listen, Wyatt Davis was a high pick. Josh Myers was a high pick. They're they're really good players. Give them a top fifteen pick at tackle. 
I think that moves the needle, man. I think, yeah, it'd be great to have Paris Johnson for two years if you're Ohio State. One year, that's awesome, would also benefit them on the field and in the future. This is a story, and I think I'm going to write it at some point this summer. I'm in, I would, because I think there are some coaches in that building who would agree with me. Jeff Halfley came here and turned Jeff Okuda into the number three pick, which as impressive as that is, Jeff Okuda was a five-star, the top corner in his class, so him being a first-rounder is not crazy. What's impressive is he also turned Damon Arnett into a first-rounder. Brian Hartline turned Garrett Wilson into a first-round pick, which is like, okay, that's cool, but also he's a five-star recruit. He probably, yeah, five-star being a first-rounder is not that crazy, being a three-and-done player. What's impressive is he also turned Chris Olave into a first-round draft pick. In both of those situations, it was a we can do it both ways. Whether you're the lowly rated guy or you're the five-star recruit everybody expects to be a first-rounder, you come to Ohio State, you can be a first-round draft pick. So as cool as it would be for Paris Johnson to be a first-round draft pick, he's a five-star recruit as a tackle at a premier position. So him being a first-rounder isn't that crazy. What would really look cool for Ohio State is if Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones are both first rounders. And then he can also go at offensive line, whether you're a guy in the 700s or you're a five star recruit, you can come be a first rounder here. I think that's definitely true. But also, they are trying to recruit a five star. Yes. So, like, the, we don't, you don't want to underestimate the five star to first round pipeline. That that yeah. is, you don't want to waste my talent. We all know I have it. What are you going to do with it? So, um, I, they could use a little juice. They could use a little NFL juice among their tackles. And that's, again, Nicholas Petit-Frere was a third-round pick, right? That's he, he has, He's going to be in camp with the Titans trying to start. That's mm-hmm. all real. But it's not quite the same as Iki Aquanu, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. quite the same as Evan Neal. It's just, it's not. There were like four tackles that people wanted to take in the first round, and like Ohio State wasn't in that conversation. So it's okay, but Alabama's left tackle from last year Went in the top 10. Ohio State could use that. You know who would help yeah. right now? Orlando Pace. Another <laughs> Orlando Pace. You know who we've been talking about is like the best recruit at Ohio State at tackle since Orlando Pace? Paris Johnson. So we don't want to put like the entire future of Ohio State tackle recruiting on Paris Johnson. But, it's but we're going to do it. Or we're going to. <laughs> hey, Paris. Also, can you be editor of the Lantern? Run your nonprofit to help veterans. Um be uh be uh like an A student and keep also CJ uh, Stroud clean. <laughs> keep CJ help CJ Stroud win the Heisman, lead Ohio State to a national championship, and also revolutionize revolutionize Ohio State tackle recruiting for the next decade. Put that on your what's your what Paris, what's your list of goals for this season? <laughs> like, oh my God, <laughs> that kid's gonna be busy. Uh he's capable of it though. He's capable of it. So I, I do think the bottom line is though, you gotta give Fry another year because he came in and he was behind. And so he has to have a year of a class that's all his work, that's all his evaluation, identification, relationship building, and then closing the deal. You got to give him a whole year to do that. Okay. Couple Dasan McCullough questions, and I allowed them in the Recruiting Cod podcast because I was just so interested in Dasan McCullough recruitment. So from the 216, will Dasan McCullough transfer back here since his dad is now at Notre Dame? and his brother committed to Cincinnati. 
One more from the 513. It's Aaron here. Early recruiting is question. Since Dylan McCullough, his dad, went to Notre Dame, any shot to San plays a year at Indiana and then enters the portal. If so, will he go to Ohio State or Notre Dame? So at the time that Tassan McCullough, who was a top 100 national recruit, decommitted from Ohio State and committed to Indiana, his brother was transferring to Indiana. Mm. His dad was coaching at Indiana. He committed to Indiana. And then his dad left to go to Notre Dame. His younger brother now committed to Cincinnati. His older brother still is at Indiana. And now Tassan McCullough is scheduled. He'll probably play for Indiana this year. It's it's tough. I, I would be curious. I mean, listen, we're, we don't make, we're not here to make light of family situations, but it's like, dad, I'm going to Indiana to play for you. And it's like, I'm leaving. And it's like, what? <laughs> I decommitted from Ohio State. You're what? So it's fine. And everybody lives their own lives. Again, this is Tassan McCullough's life, but. He decommitted from Ohio State and flipped to Indiana because his dad got hired. He did. And now his dad left. So I, I think it's fair from our standpoint to assume that what happens with his family has some effect on his decisions. So I don't know. If you were Ohio State, would you keep him on speed dial to see what's up? Sure. He's not a linebacker anymore. He's a defensive end because he's 6'5", 240. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there's somebody at Ohio State paying attention to the portal, and um, I would assume that this Sam McCullough is on it. I think a more interesting thing here, though, is <clears throat> he's a defensive lineman now. Al Washington recruited him, and Al Washington now works with his dad, and he's a defensive line coach at Notre Dame. I would probably give Notre Dame the edge there. Just because it's like, hey, dad, I'm joining you again. And I also get to play for the coach that once recruited me. Yeah, that's tough to beat. That's tough to beat. His younger brother did commit to Cincinnati. But that would be tough to beat. And I don't know what's happening with the brother who transferred to Indiana. So I do think like if the dad was at Indiana, they'd all like three. They'd have two guys at Indiana, the dad at Indiana, and the younger brother probably would have committed to Indiana. He was committed to Indiana. Then, oh, he was committed to Indiana and flipped the Cincinnati? That's, that's how it happened. Um, Dillon Sr., or the second, I can't remember. He got hired by Indiana. Daya, the little brother, committed to Indiana. Dillon the third, or Dillon the second, the oldest brother, then transferred from Miami of Ohio to Indiana. And it was like, the son going, I'm not going to Indiana. It's like, yes, you are. It's like, I know. Yeah. I just, I wanted to play around for a little bit. And so, and now it's just Dillon and Desan at Indiana. He's a good player. Uh, he'd Very help Notre player. Dame. He'd help Notre Dame. So it, I do feel like I wouldn't hold your breath as an Ohio State fan waiting for him to wind up back here. Because as you said, it's not just his dad. It's also Al Washington there. That was like, Tassama Kala was like Al Washington's crowning achievement as an Ohio State recruiter. And then the whole dad thing. I'm sure Al and the dad are having conversations about Notre Dame. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, you you shivved me. You got me fired at Ohio State. I say to get him fired at Ohio State. But I mean, it's like funny how people <laughs> This is an important one. This is specific, a specific player question from the 419. How important is Caleb Downs to this recruiting class? Jim Knowles has said that this is a safety-driven defense, and there's a good chance of losing both Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman after this year. It also seems like Ohio State is not in on a lot of five stars, so they need to land the ones they have a chance with. How many other top 50 guys do they have a chance with? So let's focus on Caleb Downs. Got to remember, Sonny Styles is here. Sonny Styles yeah. is here, and I think we could uh, – this sounds like a draft that we'll do when Nathan gets back. If we were drafting like 
the 20 players most important to Ohio State's future over the next four years. He's like I think there's a third. chance Senny Styles is way up there. Like once yeah. you get past the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. safety-driven defense for a five-star guy who seems like incredibly smart and incredibly athletic and is reclassified to come a year early and is like, let's go. And is from a football mm-hmm. family. It's like, you think that guy's going to matter. Now, listen, you can't expect too much from him as a guy who's supposed to be a senior in high school. and is going to be a freshman at Ohio state this year, but he's going to start in 23 and 24. And he might be like the, one of the best players on the defense, 23 and 24. So sunny styles really yeah. matters. Don't forget about sunny styles. When we're talking about this safety-driven defense, Caleb Downs, number one safety in the country from Georgia. I texted about this. I don't think I've talked about it on the pod yet. Ryan Day at the Thursday NIL thing a week ago said the number one safety in the country wants to come here, but he wants to know what his NIL situation will be. And he said that that player has an interest in real estate. And this was at a meeting where they were making a presentation to Columbus businesses about the new brand ambassadorship program where Ohio State envisions being a go-between to hook up businesses and players where the player can then have like an internship, learn about the business, and also endorse the business and be paid by the business. And I think he was basically saying like, hey, is there anybody from a real estate company here? Because we might have an opportunity and a person that you can hook you up with right now. So- he can't say Caleb Downs, but if you go on the list, the number one safety in the country is Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs, right, is from Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think he just visited Georgia. Georgia seems very enthused about the possibility of getting Caleb Downs. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that Ohio State's like in a do or die situation with Caleb Downs, but man, is he high on the list of dudes they'd like to see come here in 2023, right? (laughs) How do you... So this is a clear example of NIL being a factor, right? Mm -hmm. And Caleb Downs is not looking for a handout. Caleb Downs, as a top 10 national recruit, is saying, I'm interested in NIL opportunities. Because guess what? Of course he should say that. How important is Caleb Downs in your mind, Stephen? CJ Stroud just got a Bentley, so NIL is we're there now. Well, you um, know what? But but also, by the way, like that's also kind of like good luck to him. But like, wouldn't you rather have the money? Like, I actually think like a, a Bentley sponsorship is like weird. Because like, why does a twenty-one-year-old kid really want to drive a Bentley around? I'd rather yeah. like give me money, give me money. But, yeah, so, like he, I don't want to get. I, I think the Bentley thing, like we got to report on it, but like that almost feels like. Like why? Why? Yeah, and that's just a different discussion from Michaela. It's just why are because Lamborghinis got something with Bijan Robinsons. It's like if I'm a money, give me money. Yeah, but even from like the 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 business side of it, I don't know if like a college athlete is who I would want to give my car to. No, I know. Well, and the whole thing is like the businesses (laughs) rely on the media reporting on it. And then, like, talking to them and getting their name out there. Yeah. We're like a go-between because they get attention. And then the next time somebody wants to buy a Bentley in the state of Ohio, they'll be like, oh, I heard of a Bentley dealership. It's that one that gave CJ Stroud a thing. I don't know how intense the the competition is between Bentley dealerships in the Midwest. Maybe it is intense. (laughs) But it's like, I know that that story is going to get a lot of attention. Like, that's not the point. Give them money. 
Yeah. Miles Garrett doesn't get paid in cars. He gets paid money. And maybe yeah. he's also getting money and I don't understand it, but like that just, that, that to me was like, it's it. And CJ Stroud. Great. But like, that's still not exactly it. Like give the guy yeah, give money. The money. He's a really good player. Anyway. So how Caleb Downs. Downs. This is the number one guy on the board at this point. Um, and it's because of that combination of, as you just said, he's the number 11 player in the country, the top safety in the country. He's really, really good at football. Um, and Ohio State has a safety different defense. And even if they have a billion safeties on their roster, um, and Sonny Styles is going to be really good before Sonny Styles reclassified, he and Caleb Downs were the top safety targets. So that that it was this, the goal was still to have a defense where you've got Caleb Downs and Sonny Styles as your safeties. It's just now Sonny Styles is uh, his clock to get to the NFL is a year earlier than Caleb Downs is. But yeah, he's the number one player on their board. Um, he will be here on June 24th for that, which is going to be the biggest weekend for Ohio State, which I'm pretty sure we'll get into on a pod heading into that week. Um, Doug has already done a pod showing you how crunching the numbers of how important getting the last official visit is. Um, Ohio State likes his chances with him. They think they're in a really good spot with him. Um, outside of what Dave was talking about with the NIL stuff, just from a straight football standpoint, I think Perry Eliano and Tim Walt have done a really good job building a relationship with him since they've gotten here. So, yeah, very important. It's not do or die because they do still have a bunch of safeties on this roster, but um, they would much rather have him come here than end up at Notre Dame, Alabama, or Georgia. So he's just, just coming off an official to Georgia. Yes. This weekend he's making an official to Notre Dame. June 17th, official to Bama, and then official to Ohio State on June 24th. So you'd rather have the last official as long as he doesn't commit to Georgia, like now, or commit somewhere before he gets here. If he gets here, you you have to like Ohio State's chances. And Mm -hmm. my guess would be when he gets here, they had this brand ambassador meeting a week ago. They got to get going on this stuff. I would imagine, and again, Ohio State is saying if you if a kid's number one thing is NIL, Ohio State probably is not the place for him. That's what Ohio State says. Ohio State says we don't really want to go after kids who are just looking for money. That is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that by the time he gets here on June 24th, Ohio State, which can facilitate relationships, doesn't pay the player, right? I would imagine that Caleb Downs, as part of his official visit, will have a meeting somewhere with a company or with one of the two collectives Mm -hmm. where there is some kind of presentation made to him. Now, you're starting to walk a very fine line with recruiting inducements. Ohio State says you're not supposed to do recruiting inducements. We don't do recruiting inducements. We're not handing out a million bucks come to our school. But I would imagine that they will make sure that an NIL opportunity is outlined for Caleb Downs. So is that a recruiting inducement? It sure sounds like it. (laughs) Like, what's the difference? Now, again, Ohio State, we already covered it in the NIL pod. They want you to do autograph signings. They want you to do camps. They want you to do brand endorsements. They want you to do things. They want you to give back to the community as part of it. They don't want it to be the collective writes a check for a million bucks and says, thanks for coming. We're glad you came to our school. Here's your million dollars. But I think that they will get their NIL situation in order and they can facilitate and that will be part of the conversation. And again, Caleb Downs, it sounds like, it's, you know, they are not presenting him. They're not saying he's a guy who 
you know, and again, make it, oh, who has his hand out? You mean like how you're like allowed to? How nobody's enforcing yeah. it? Like the players are doing <clears throat> nothing wrong? We don't want to make it sound like a negative on behalf of the player. I'd do it. That's, I'd have my hand out right now. I'm good. I'm allowed to get paid. How am I getting paid? But I think Ohio State, as you said, likes all the football stuff, and they have to make sure the other stuff is good enough. So I do think this is – but if I'm trying to think – What's the effect of NIL? What's the effect of NIL? What's the effect of NIL? Whether or not Caleb Downs goes to Ohio State is some indication of that to me. That to me is, mm-hmm. is, is that is that Ohio State at least keeping up? And I think I think that's the one to watch for me. And I, he is important. It's not the end of the world, but he's important. Let's talk a little bit about NIL in regards to recruiting. We did on the last pod. We'll do here. One little section on this, and then we'll wrap up with some names again. From the 561, some schools now have the philosophy with NIL of overpaying high school kids. Wouldn't a better philosophy for Ohio State be to load up on mid-level high school kids while sprinkling in your 5 to 10 top 100s, thus using your large percent of NIL coffers to offer existing blue chips around the country that have already proven their abilities over one to two years of college? It seems they may already be thinking the same thing. If that's the case, I think it's smart. In other words, transfer portal money over recruiting class money. Another NIL question from the 419. I don't understand why Ohio State isn't an NIL superpower. I feel like other than La, uh, Los Angeles and the Texas schools, we should be at the, in the top tier of what we can offer players. Columbus is one of the largest college towns in the nation with a massive economy. Our alumni population and fan base is also top three nationally. We have what feels like hundreds of NFL alumni. And on top of that, there are no other major sports in Columbus stealing money or views. Sorry, Blue Jackets. It just feels like Ohio State should be more of a threat than say Alabama or Georgia when it comes to NIL. It's not illegal anymore. So why is Ohio struggling to get commits like Carnell Tate right now? Ohio State should be able to dominate Tennessee. Please help me understand. Last one. From the 336, Ryan Day made a speed limit analogy for NIL. You want to be going with the flow of traffic or you might get pulled over if you're going way over the speed limit. The two schools that seem to be going way over the speed limit are Tennessee and Texas A&M. Will these schools get pulled over and what will that look like? So couple things here that I want to check in on and then then we'll have a discussion on this. One is there are some schools I think that just have a donor or two that are willing to just say here's here's money for the collective whatever mm-hmm. you need and it doesn't matter how big your alumni base is, it doesn't matter how big your city is if you have a donor like that. I don't think Ohio State right now thinks it has a donor like that. So it does need to capitalize on the business community as a whole. Mm-hmm. So that's a reality. I also think that getting pulled over, Ohio State thinks, Ohio State talked about this at the meeting last week. They think that the NCAA is trying on this. That's what Gene said. The NCAA is trying. I don't know how much they're trying, but he said they're trying. But like they might not do anything for a year. And I do think a lot of when they finally get to something will be, you can't do this anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to go backwards and punish anybody. Now, if you're really flagrant and the rules are in place, it's not supposed to be a recruiting inducement. If you're really flagrant, maybe, maybe if they feel like there was, you know, collaboration between the school and a collective and it was a, an outright pay for play that broke the rules, maybe down the line, they will get pinched on that. I think Ohio State is worried enough about that to not want to do that. They don't want to be, hey, we're, we're, we're the school. Hey, collective, we want player X. Player X wants $1.5 million. 
give player X $1.5 million. And then there's like a phone call or an email or a text message or whatever that, because you're not supposed to coordinate like that quite that way. But if that happens, do you get pinched? Is that getting pulled over? I think it is the fear of getting pulled over, even if you maybe won't. I also think it is the, we just don't want to go 80. Did even if you pretty much know you're not going to get pulled over, we just don't think you should go 80 and a 45. I think there's a little bit of that with Ohio State. So they don't have a big time donor and they just don't want to go all out because they just don't think it's the thing to do. And they think it's going to sort itself out in a couple years. I do think in general, Ohio State should be better than a place like Clemson in terms of the business community and in terms of the gigantic alumni population. They just have to activate that because they don't have the single or two donors. But that's why they're having meetings like this. They're trying to activate that. So we always, Steve, when we talked about this, we always talk about Ohio State should be in pretty good shape because of Columbus. And that's what they're trying to show right now. So Mm -hmm. before we get to transfer portal money versus recruiting money, what do you think generally of that, of where Ohio State is and maybe why they aren't up with a school like Tennessee or Texas A&M right now? I think Ohio's. I don't want to say they're doing this the right way because that's not the word. I think Ohio State is trying to find a way to best maximize what it is, and that's a major city with a big-time college football program in it, which to the point, yes, Alabama and Georgia and Clemson don't have that. As a matter of fact, the only uh, two other schools who do have that when everything is clicking the right way are probably Texas and USC because Austin's a pretty nice place to live. But then in USC, you've got to deal with the fact that there's 70 million pro teams. So it's like, do we want to give this deal to Caleb Williams or do we want to give this deal to LeBron James? (laughs) So Ohio State doesn't have to compete with that. I think the schools that everybody is complaining about right now are the schools are doing what they have to do because they're going 90 and a 65. But if they don't go 90 and a 65, they can't compete. They don't keep up with the cars who can easily go 65 and look like they're gliding out there. Tennessee fans are going to hate me, but it is what it is. Tennessee is trying to drive fast with a old school Ford F-150 that's like 25 years old. While to the point we were just talking about the Bentley, Ohio State's driving a luxury car that can easily go zero to 60. So they can approach this in a different way. They can handle themselves in a different matter. So, I don't think fans should be that worried about what Tennessee is doing because it doesn't seem sustainable. What Texas A&M is doing, loading up on all these defensive linemen, well, at the end of the day, these guys have to play. And if you've got 35-star defensive linemen and you can only play like six or seven of them because they're rotating, the other 25 are going to transfer eventually anyway. So that stuff is as cool and loud as it is right now. It's not long-term sustainable. While with what Ohio State is trying to do, even what Texas is trying to do to an extent, with their fan bases, what Alabama is trying to do, it does seem a little bit more sustainable. So if you look at it from that standpoint and not necessarily, oh, my God, Tennessee just got a five-star quarterback. They might get a five-star receiver right now. Well, is that going to work every year? Because if not, it doesn't really matter. It's hard. We're not uh, We're not pretending that Ohio State's doing it perfectly that Ohio State's doing it right and other people are doing it wrong. We're trying to explain Ohio State's thinking on this. In terms of the transfer portal versus the recruiting, I know Ohio State does not want to do it in the transfer portal. Ryan Day does not think that's sustainable. They do not think that is sustainable. So here's, and this is, again, it is threading a needle. 
this is what I think. I think Ohio State is more interested. Ohio State's primary interest is making sure that its good current players have NIL opportunities to make money. That doesn't mean they want to go pay guys to transfer here or have collectives pay guys to transfer here. But I do think there is a slight difference between setting up an NIL deal for a recruit and telling a recruit that if you come here and you are good, we will set up an NIL deal for you. Because when you are saying, if when you're giving the NIL deals to the recruits, some of them are not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And they're making $800,000 to not be good. And there are going to be some guys who are three stars who come in and don't get much NIL love. And then they are good. But if your collective spent all of its money on the five-star who's now a third stringer, Ryan Day specifically talked about the thing that he thought could be a problem is if the third string guys are making more than the first string guys. Mm -hmm. So, So what's that difference? It's, hey, good recruit, we want you to come here. We're going to help you get to the NFL. We're going to compete for championships and look at what C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jack Sawyer, look what they are doing in NIL. Maybe you'll have some NIL opportunities right now, but that's what's waiting for you from our giant alumni base and from our giant business community in the large city of Columbus. But that is not quite, we'll give you $1.5 million right now to sign with us. So I think that's how they want to view it. It's almost like we'll pay you in a year if you're good. And then it's one of those things like if the guy's like, hey, I came as a five-star, you outlined this whole thing where if I was good, I'd make a lot of NIL money. And then it's like, I'm in my third year and I don't have any NIL money yet. And it's like, yeah, because you're like the eighth best guy at your position. Mm-hmm. And you didn't earn NIL money. And then that guy's like, well, then I'm going to transfer. And then they're like, okay. We're okay with that. But they want to make sure that the guys that they really think are good or are going to be good don't transfer. And I think they want the promise. They want the evidence of NIL with stopping a little short of we're making sure a collective pays a recruit a million dollars. It can feel like no difference. Like, like what a, is it just semantics? But I think there's enough of a difference, Stephen, that I think that articulates the Ohio State position, and we'll just have to see if it works. Does that sound? But it's not about getting transfers. They do no. not want to pay the five best transfers. That is not how Ryan Day thinks you build a sustainable, long-term winning program. That might be how Michigan State can build a sustainable, long-term winning program because they can't go pick up the litter in the recruiting world. But there, ha- I mean, there's always going to be five-star recruits. There's not always going to be elite transfers out there. So that's part of that. I don't think the argument you just presented is semantics. I think that's how the world works. The better you are at something, the more money you get for it. You don't just get handed a bunch of... I'm not going to blame Quinn Ewers. He's just the face of it because he's the guy that got this stuff first. A energy drink company gave Quinn Ewers $1.4 million to show up to school early, and it threw everybody off. And now it's how this works now. If you're a five-star recruit that everybody is falling in love with, and if you put your name in Google search, a million different things come up, you just get a four, you just get a bunch of money. Because as you just pointed out, he was the four-string quarterback and he was the richest guy in the room. 
and that includes his test. It includes his position coach. He's making more. He's making double the amount of money Corey Dennis was making last year. That's not how that's supposed to work. C.J. Stroud's Bentley deal and Express deal as the starting quarterback and one of the best players in college football. That's how this is supposed to work, at least from Ohio State's perspective and the way that Nick Saban has like gone on his tirades around it. That's how they feel this is supposed to work, and I agree with that. Um, and so that's where we keep coming back to the market's going to correct itself is the next Quinn Ewers isn't going to get $1.4 million when he's not even on a college campus yet. So that's the thing is I think the market will correct itself from a business standpoint because a business doesn't want to give $1.4 million to a guy who then isn't that good and they don't get the endorser mm-hmm. bump of that. But a donor might be fine. Don't be like, ah, oh, I missed on that guy, right? If yeah. it's not a business, if it's just a donor and the donor has huge pockets, they'll say, well, I will just, we'll give it to the next five star. One of these mm-hmm. guys is going to hit. But I do think that we're trying to articulate the Ohio State position. I know we did a lot of NIL last time. We'll continue with NIL as it pops up. Right. We'll try to it, it's all the same thing. Right. It's like player acquisition and player retention. Mm-hmm. And that's what everything in sports is about. All sports is is it's player acquisition, player development and player retention. That's sports. So all those things are a factor here. Now, NIL, eh, I mean, I guess you could even argue it does affect development because it's like if you have your head in the clouds about your million dollars, maybe it affects your development. It shouldn't. But it's mostly about acquisition and retention. So where NIL matters there to Ohio State, we'll factor that in. And when we're doing like, hey, we're having an NIL theoretical discussion or an NIL nitty gritty how it works, nuts and bolts discussion, we'll tell you that. We did that on the last pod. So we're done doing that now. When we come back, names, who's coming, what are the chances? Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Reese and Stephen Means from the 614. Who are the three to five most important recruits in the 2023 class that Ohio State needs to land? Could be in terms of position, depth, talent, and intangibles. That's from Chris Not Beanie Wells. A person's name is Chris Not Beanie Wells. And from the 614, this might be a common question, but Luke Montgomery is the highest rated recruit right, right now in June. I know there's a good feeling about Brandon Innes and maybe cooled down feelings on Carnell Tate and A.J. Harris. Um who does it feel Ohio State has on their top five priority board and who might be the biggest get? So, Stephen, I'll just let you go on these two. People want to know who are, who are the priorities. And then we'll run through sort of yes or no with our last question. So you don't have to tell us right now if they're going to get them, but who okay. are the guys they want, the realistic guys they want the most? Yeah, Caleb Downs is priority number one, especially on the defensive side. Um, he'll be visiting as we talked about. Brandon Ennis, I don't think he's number two, just because I think Heartline's pretty confident about what that receiver group is going to end up looking like, but he's high, obviously, because he's a five-star recruit. Um, Mateo Uyangaleye, the little brother of DJ Uyangaleye, I think Ohio State is in a better position with him than maybe national recruiting journalists will give credit to with him. Um, He was here for the spring game. He camped last summer and he'll be here this weekend on the official visit. He is headlining that four man group. Um, Obviously. I mean, we've had a long conversation about Carnell Tate, so we don't have to keep rehashing that one. Jonella Guerrero. uh, He is the other safety. Ohio state is really high in and on in a world where you've already got Cedric Hawkins and Malik Hartford in. They want three safeties, but if Jonell and, 
Caleb Downs both want to come, then they're going to have four safeties. They have no problem with that one. Um, he's the number 34 player, the number two safety in that class. And then after that, it gets kind of interesting. Noah Rogers, um, in a perfect world, he he's the number 50 player, the number nine wide receiver. He'll take an official visit as well. In a perfect world, it's Brandon Ennis, Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, and then Bryson Rogers. Those are the four receivers in this class. And then after that is when you start getting into the offensive linemen. Guys like Sam, Samson Okunlola, um, Ola Salinen, they're pretty high on the list as well. So the, I, I don't know, what did I just name? Like eight or nine guys? I would say okay. those would be their eight or nine top guys right now. All right, let's finish it up with this then from the 937. Can we get a prediction? Just French Vanilla asking Steven players, and he says yes or no. So we are here to serve, and especially we're here to serve when I don't have to do any thinking, and I just get to ask, and Stephen has to do all the work. So let's start at running back. Let's start with Justice Haynes, the Georgia legacy, number 53 overall player in the 247 recruiting rankings. Yes or no, do you think he picks Ohio State? No. Okay. This might be the Georgia legacy thing. might be too hard yeah. to break through. All yeah. right, Brandon Ennis, Florida receiver, number 18 overall player in their composite rankings. Yes or no? Do you think he picked yes. Ohio State? Yes. Cornell Tate, IMG Academy, number 28 player, number three receiver. Yes or no, you think he picks Ohio State? No. Noah Rogers, number 50 overall player, number nine receiver. You just referenced him out of North Carolina. Yes or no? Does he pick Ohio State? Yes. All right, who is the – so that's pretty good for Ohio State so far. Ty Lockwood mm-hmm. is in at tight end. Do you think they want a second tight end? Or are they okay? I think Ohio State's been trying to get a second tight end in its recruiting classes for like seven years in a row now, and they keep pushing it back. Um, I don't think they need a second tight end in this class, but they're going to try to go get one. There's going to be one that's visiting here, Riley Williams um, from Central Catholic High School in Oregon. He'll be here this week at the number 66 player, the number two tight end in this class. Uh I don't think he's coming to Ohio State, though. I think Ty Lockwood's going to end up being the only tight end. Okay. Let's move to offensive tackle then. It does really feel like it's Samson Okunlola from Massachusetts, number 20 overall player, number three offensive tackle, and then it's Olas Allenin, number 122 overall player, number 15 offensive tackle from Europe, playing high school ball in Connecticut. Those seem to be clearly the top two tackles that they are looking at right now. Do either of them wind up picking the Buckeyes? I think they get one of those two. Um, And since we're saying names, I don't want to have to pick one or the other, um, but I'll do it for the sake of this game. I think they get Olas. I think he had some Bama momentum early, but I think he really likes Ohio State. And once he gets up here for that official visit. So, because Samson does not have Ohio State scheduled for an official, right? He doesn't have any official scheduled yet. No. So, well, no, he's got one now. He's he'll be at Michigan State this weekend. He'll be at Michigan State this weekend. Okay. Mm. So, Olas Allen, and again, it does feel like there was a lot of Bama stuff with him, but his Ohio State visit is after his Bama visit. Mm-hmm. So it's like if he gets here on the twenty fourth. If he doesn't commit to Bama, he's been to Bama, I think, three times. He told mm-hmm. one of our freelancers, like. If you've been to a place three times, then you officially visit. He's going to know if he wants to be a Bama or not. Mm-hmm. He might commit on his official to Bama. If he doesn't, then Ohio State has to feel pretty good about it, I think. If he has enough Ohio State stuff in the back of his head that he's got to come to Columbus officially, then they're right in it. That's big. Because like, if they 
if they don't get either of those guys, you know, we don't like to sound the alarm too often. I yeah, sound the alarm a little bit there. If they don't get either of those tackles, yeah, then it's like, what are they doing? And then they're going to be down to like, hey, look at these developmental tackles who are ranked in the thousands, who we think are diamonds in the rough. And it's like, that's great, but where's your five star? So that's those are those are really really important dudes. Um, okay. Anybody else? Let's see. Uh, who? How about Daniel Harris, cornerback from Miami? It's a good Don't name I, to throw out there. Is he? What do you think? They got a shot at him. Do they have a shot? Yes. Do I think they're gonna pull it off? No. Okay. Caleb Downs, brass tacks, eleven player in the country, number one safety. Do they get him? Yes. And then do you think that, uh, to get Joniel Aguero, number th- 34 player, number two safety, could they pull off that double dip and wind up with both those guys in addition to Willie Hartford and said, I we're both in. don't think so. I think he's going to end up at Georgia. Okay. And it'd almost be one of those, like if downs goes to Georgia, maybe then Aguero, right. That it's yeah. Maybe you, you get one or the other and they don't want to go to the same place. That can be mm-hmm. a thing that happens. Cause I think they're, the, I think they're the same style of safety. They're both around six foot one ninety. Okay. So. Jermaine Matthews, the kid who earned the offer last week that we talked about on last week's pod from Winton Woods, six foot, number 353 overall player. You think he winds up here? I do. Make a call on quarterback. They have three offers out there now. No, they have two offers out there now. Austin Novosad, the uh, Baylor commit, number 263 overall player, number 13 quarterback. Brock Glenn, the number 365 overall player, the number 20 quarterback. Like, can you make a reasonable guess on this, or is it like you can't read their minds and it's just whoever takes it gets it? I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say the guy who ends up being Ohio State's quarterback doesn't have an offer yet. Okay. So neither of those who guys. Again, because you're trying to get a guy to decommit, and the other guy's kind of like waiting to blow up still a little bit. Um, Okay. Tackett Curtis, who's a guy that Jim Knowles has spent a lot of time on. I think they named – a sandwich at a restaurant in Louisiana after Jim Knowles. He's been down there so much. I saw that on Twitter. Number 80 overall player, number seven linebacker from Louisiana. Do you think Tackett Curtis ends up being a Buckeye? I do. I think that relationship was strong when he was recruiting him at Oklahoma State. And if I'm not mistaken, the conversation went, hey, man, um, I liked you at Oklahoma State. I'm over here now. So let's go to Columbus. And it's like, okay. So, yeah, I, I think they get him. Arvell Reese from Glenville, number thirty, uh, number three hundred nine overall player, number twenty one linebacker. Do you think he winds up here? Yeah, I think he might be the last. Like, obviously, the Jordan Hall conversation is a different. Con- that's where he's the last Ohio guy they get. Okay, uh, as you said, Mateo Uyunglele, number twenty one overall player, number two edge rusher. You think he winds up here or no? I'll say yes. I'm intrigued there. Okay. Um, that dad's very enthusiastic about recruiting. Sometimes it's like you, you, if you follow the dad and it's like, oh my gosh, this guy loves Ohio state. And then like Big the Dave, next day man. it's like, oh my gosh, this guy loves North Carolina. Oh my gosh, this guy loves. So he's, I mean, great. You're an enthusiastic dad, but sometimes you can trick yourself. and It'd be like, oh my God, they love Columbus. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, they love everywhere, which is wonderful. What a great place to be. Lots of wonderful opportunities. Um, anyone else I'm, I'm running through a bunch of the, defensive tackles that they're in on. Mm. I mean, is there somebody that jumps up when you think about the defensive tackles at all? Who's 
higher on the list than anybody else. Will Smith obviously is already in. Um, anybody else you really think they're going to get? Yeah, I think John Walker is interesting. Um, and it's he's interesting because it's funny. His teammate at um, um, Ocel- Silo, Osceola, yeah. Osceola, sorry, yeah. Osce- Osceola High School, Derek LeBlanc. Last year, when they both were offered and both targets, you would have said Derek LeBlanc's the one that's coming to Ohio State, and John Walker's probably going to stay in state. And now, 12 months later, it's flipped. Derek LeBlanc's probably going to end up at Florida while John Walker's getting some Ohio State no- um, momentum at this point. He'll take his official visit that June 24th weekend as well. I think he might fit better, too. He's 6'3", 310. Um, and the way we're talking about Talik Williams being that interior guy who might be able to blow up pockets like that, I think John Walker has that type of potential as a top 100 recruit. Um, so I, that's a guy I'm, I'm very interested. I, I'm creating a watch list of guys that we should be paying attention to um, coming out of this June, and I think he's on it, even if it maybe takes a little bit more time, just because as we've talked about in the past, Larry likes to play anchor. All right, that was yes or no with Stephen Means. We'll write these down. Stephen, you can run through and uh, make note of all the guys that you predicted. We'll wind up mm-hmm. here, and we'll, we'll hear what this our own version of crystal ball. We'll see uh, how you did with your projection uh, predictions about who these guys are going to be. And listen, I mean, like if you're if you're right on a decent amount of those guys, like that's a top five class. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like that, maybe it's not two, but like that's, that's a five star or two, bunch of high four stars, bunch of guys in the top 150. You know, that, that's one of those things. That, it, it's just the context of Ohio State recruiting that is difficult sometimes. It's like you'll, you'll go through and you'll be like, oh man, they only have six top 100 guys in this class. A couple of years ago, they had 11 top 100 guys. And then you'll look at like Penn State or Michigan's class, and it's like they have two guys in the top 250. Yeah. And it's like six in the top 100 is still quite a bit better than that. So it is the context you have to keep in mind. And the context right now is will they maybe hang nationally not quite as well while NIL gets sorted out? Maybe. Is there any reason to think that they will not be the dominant recruiting power? in the big 10 and in the Midwest. Not really keep an eye on Notre Dame. You know, the Brennan Vernon head to head, that was a win for Notre Dame, but keep track of like the direct head to heads, especially among Midwest kids. How many direct head to heads are they losing to Notre Dame? It's not like they're getting wiped out by Notre Dame right now. There's a, I think everything Notre Dame is doing, I think is real. I think is real, but I don't know that it's, yet at the point, Stephen, of like blowing a hole on the side of the Ohio State recruiting ship. No, it's not. Um, the top six guys in Ohio, if I'm right about Arvell Reitz, the only one that didn't end up at Ohio State is Brendan Vernon, and he ended up at Notre Dame. And to be completely honest with you, just based off, you, know, you talk to these kids and build relationships with these kids and you know, have conversations, his personality fits Notre Dame than it does Ohio State. So if you would have told me, of these six, which one is Notre Dame 100% going to win? It would have been Brennan Vernon. So all that, 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 that's why I said earlier with the whole Marcus Freeman stuff is like, you got to cast these checks that you're writing, man, because it all sounds good until signing day rolls around and you only got one of the six. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think, you know, I would be, uh, as a, if you're a fan of Ohio State and you're uh, interested in Ohio State recruiting, I would be curious, not wary, not worried, curious. 
and and just you know watching the key guys and we'll keep you updated here we'll keep you updated on the text at 614-350-3315 again this is a busy month with camps and with official visits so if you got in now for the two-week free trial i mean it wouldn't take you through the rest of the month you actually maybe should wait if you just want to do the two-week free trial and not have to pay wait so it takes you through the official visits on like the weekend of the 24th because mm-hmm. there might be some stuff popping there might be some stuff that steven's hearing uh but this would be this is a good month to try it again you think oh well i'll wait to the season it's like well kind of in the season it is great it is there's a lot of stuff going on but like there's a lot of stuff going on right now that you maybe don't want to have to search out you want it coming straight to you and steven's going to send it as soon as he hears about it so that's a good time to try it 614 350 3315. We'll take any reviews at Apple Podcasts. We always certainly appreciate that. And we'll take you guys coming to see us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Interesting. I think the plan, no, that's what we're going to do. I'm almost sure what we're going to do. Buckeye fly effect for the Friday pod. And what we are going to do is what if Ohio State had beaten Michigan last year? What that would have meant for the playoff? what it would have meant for how Ohio State season ended, what it would have meant for coaching changes that Ohio State did and didn't make, what it would have meant for Michigan and where Michigan would have gone from there. All the things, all right, you know some stuff changed because Ohio State lost to Michigan. What if the status quo had continued? We did that podcast a while ago. We've been saving it. We're going to drop it Friday. I think it's pretty darn interesting and you guys will enjoy it. For now... Thanks to Stephen Means for all his hard work with this recruiting information. I like the ones where I just say, so what about that? So what about that? <laughs> I could be like a robot. I'm an algorithm. I'm just the what about that guy. For Stephen, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.